Good morning. How we doing? Good. Man, you, you guys got some energy. I don't know if they're putting Red Bull in something out there, lacing the donuts with, um, I don't know, right? He's like, well, what am I drinking? Hey, it's an honor. Uh, I had a chance to speak to Richard uh, earlier, but man, it's an honor to be here on you guys' last Sunday. So um, if something messes up and your closing doesn't happen as quick as you can, you can't come back next week because I've said this is your last Sunday. <laughs> Well, as Casey said, my name is Matt, uh, church planner, uh, planted New City Shawnee, I don't know, six years ago, um, started that process, and then as Casey mentioned, man, God really blessed us with this opportunity here in Edgerton, and this morning it's so encouraging uh, just to see all you here, and here's the fun part is, most of you I don't know, and most of you don't know me, and I think that's totally fine, right, totally fine. Casey's got this, uh, Casey is our trusted leader here in Edgerton as far as from the elder and pastoral standpoint, and man, I think he and his wife Judy and the team, uh, Pete and Lissa and the surrounding leaders are a fabulous job. So can we just honor our leaders here at the Edgerton campus? Now? I think they do. Now, are they perfect? No. Are they going to make you mad sometimes? Maybe. You know what? I get mad. You get mad. It's all good, right? But it's the fact that, man, we can trust them and that they're making an impact through this local body of believers here in the city of Edgerton and impacting all the surrounding areas. I love it. I'm proud of it. And uh, today, actually, uh, I don't know if you know this. You might not know this because a lot of the stuff that I'm going to talk about today is, gets, has gotten lost in uh, Christian translation, has gotten lost in Protestant translation especially if you're like a new believer, you're like, I don't know any of this. this is, I'm hoping today you're going to have some like new learning on some new information that's deep and rich in the Word of God. Today, I don't know if you know this, is a very holy day to come to church. Today is one of God's seven holy days. Not holidays, but one of His holy days. There's this conversation that takes place between God and Moses way back in the Old Testament. And as God gives Moses the law, God also sets up seven key days. And today is one of those, and I'm going to do my best to explain what it is and why we choose to celebrate it. Now, I want to give you the punchline for today's message. There's two things that I hope to accomplish today, right? They're in your bulletin. The first one is this. I hope to teach you that God doesn't redo, but rather adds to. Now, for some of you hard black and white people like you, like it's either right or it's wrong, I might have just really messed you up because you're thinking, Matt, are you sure that God doesn't redo? So let me add a word just for some of you heavy, heavy prophet people in the room, right? God rarely, right, redo. He rarely recreates something brand new. What God typically does in your life and in the life of Scripture is you see God add to something that he's already done. And I'm going to prove that today uh, in, in three specific ways, but I want you to know that about your life. If you're waiting for God to completely wipe the slate clean, the, the two marriages ago, the two whatever ago, the, 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 the resume, the, 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 pick something. You're like, God, I just want to start over. You, you, you go forward. God is the great reconciler. Romans, Paul says that God causes all things to work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say God makes, God is not a Mr. Clean magic eraser, right? God's more like the gorilla glue. 
He takes all your brokenness and he puts it back together into something that's functioning and works. God rarely does he redo. He often adds to what he's already done. That's the first thing that I hope to communicate to you this morning. The second thing is the application is this. Based on what we're going to learn this morning from the scripture, it is my hope that we would live a life that reflects that we are being or that you are being led by God's Holy Spirit. Something is leading your life right now. It may be your emotions. You do whatever you feel like, which means that you scream when you feel like you need to scream, or you hit when you feel like you need to hit, or you shut down when you feel like you need to shut down. Maybe it's your calendar that leads you and you have a hard time getting a hold of it. Maybe it's your children who leads you. Maybe it's your spouse who leads you. Maybe it's your bank account or the lack of bank account that leads you. But it is my hope that today what you see uh, is that you are inspired to take a step back from those things and allow something else, very God himself, the very spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit to lead our life. And so that's the two things. Okay. So how are we going to get there? Let's do this. Today's holy day is the day of Pentecost. All right, today is the day of Pentecost, and so I'm going to kind of, let's go through some stuff in your bulletin slides here as a foundation for the scriptures that we're going to read this morning. So today is Pentecost, and it's also known by its Hebrew name, is the day of, I'm going to help you pronounce this word, right? Shavuot. So if like you were going to spell it phonetically, it's like S-H-Y-V-A-O-A-T. Shavuot. And that was the day, okay, that we're going to walk through. So that's, that's today's holy day is the day of Pentecost, also known as, say it with me, Shabbat. Look at you learning Hebrew. You guys are so smart, right? Who would have thought, right? You can say, I speak two languages, English and Hebrew, right? Okay. And uh, say it with me, C. Si. Now you know Spanish. Three languages today. This is crazy. This is crazy. All right. So today is Pentecost, also known as Shavuot. Now, Shavuot always comes, this is important, always comes 50 days after Passover. Okay? How many of you have heard of Passover before, right? All right, Passover is, well, I'm going to explain it in a second. That was another holy day. And at the conclusion of Passover, count 50 days, you have the day of Pentecost or Shavuot. All right. Now, let me walk you through. Really, I'm going to give you like you're going to like learn something. Maybe you don't know. Okay, this is not fill out. It's in the bulletin. You can just read it right there with me. Passover in the Old Testament. Okay, because I want to talk to you. I want to show you real quick how what I mentioned earlier that God rarely redo. What He often does is adds to something He has already established. Okay, and so in the Old Testament, Passover was when God provided salvation from His children, the Israelites, coming out of Egypt into the Promised Land. And so if you haven't read that story, go back in the Old Testament, read the book of Exodus. It's where you have this, this group of people, the, 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 the children of um, God, the Jewish people, who become slaves in Egypt. God brings on the plagues. The last one is the angel of death where God says to Moses, tell all of your people to take the blood of a lamb and put it on the doorpost of every single house. Because tonight the angel of death is passing through and every house that is covered in the blood, and maybe you can see some stuff here for New Testament, every house that's covered in the blood, the angel will pass over, right? And it will not touch that place. Well, of course, Pharaoh doesn't take that warning. He doesn't do any of those things. And every firstborn male, livestock and human being is killed that night. And because of that extreme pain and heartbreak, and that's like the seventh thing that had happened, Pharaoh says to Moses, get out of here. And the people want them out so bad that they actually give them wealth and give them riches on their way out. Here, not only do I want you to get out here, take my money. <laughs> just go, just go. 
And so that event, once they get landed to this place called Sinai, right, that was known as the Passover. And God says, every year you are going to remember this day. You're going to celebrate it. And God gives them uh, the rules and the regulations for how he wants them to celebrate it. Now, they're out Sinai, so they've left Egypt. We're 50 days in the future now. And Moses goes up to the top of Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, there you have it, Shavuot, God provides the law that leads each life. And so up to this point, the Israelite people kind of just kind of did life the best they could. But Moses goes up to Sinai, and God gives him there the Ten Commandments, right? You've all seen the movie, Charlton Heston coming down, right, with these two stone, right? But God also gave Moses a lot of other things up there. A lot of, it's called the Torah. He gave him the law. And this law was going to be how the Jewish people live their life. Okay. Now, one of the frustrating things that we face in our country is that we sometimes confuse that God did not give that law for the entire world. He gave that law for his people. Right. And so if you ever find yourself being frustrated because you're trying to push your Christian values and your Christian law onto somebody who doesn't care about those things, they don't care about those things. Right. There are laws to live by. And God does his thing in impacting the world and drawing people into this new city or to this new family. Right. Where then they go, oh, these are my rules, too. Does that make sense? Like in the Miller family, my family, there are certain rules of my tribe. Right. Like whining. I'm trying to kill whining. If you have a secret other than beating your child on how to keep them from whining, I would love to have it. Anyway. Fifty days after the, their fifty days after their great escape from Egypt, Moses is up on Sinai. God gives Moses the Torah. He gives him the law, and that is going to become the very thing which leads the people of Israel. You with me? That's Old Testament Passover and Shabbat, the day of Pentecost. What about the New Testament? Now, this is where God adds to, and I think some of this stuff is going to be like you're going to be like, what? It's crazy. Okay, Passover in the Old Testament as a quick reminder was where God provides salvation from slavery. Passover in the New Testament, through Jesus, God provides salvation from what? You want me to blow your mind? You want to guess what day Jesus was crucified? Go ahead, take a guess. Yeah, Passover. God's very son, Jesus, God in the flesh, he gave up his life and freed all of this people from sin on the very day that God freed his people from slavery. Passover has a new meaning. So oftentimes, Passover and our Easter get combined. We celebrate this on Easter Sunday. But very rarely does Easter Sunday and Passover Sunday fall on the same day. And so do we celebrate Easter Sunday at New City Church? We do, because it's a, it's a national holiday. We're all aware of it. But we also know at New City Church that that's not always the day that Jesus actually went to the cross. Passover is when Jesus went to the cross, right? So just something for you to know. Now, 50 days after crucifixion, that's where we find today's message. Old Testament, you have Passover and then Shabbat, or the day of Pentecost, where God gave the law that leads the people. What happens in the New Testament? 50 days after uh, the, the Passover, God sends not the law, but rather God sends his Holy Spirit that leads each and every life. Isn't that interesting that on God establishes these holy days way back in the book of Leviticus? And God, did you know that God keeps a calendar? God, like this idea that God's willy nilly and he just does whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And he's like this blindfold guy that just kind of pokes. Oh, OK, it's today. Let's do that. No, that's not how it works. God has specific dates on a calendar. Just like how many of you guys know your anniversary? 
Man, please raise your hand, even if you don't. Just lie. Just lie. Just lie. It's okay. We forgive you. How many of you know your birthday? How many of you know your spouse's birthday? How many of you know your kid's birthday? You, you know those dates, and you typically celebrate them on the same day every year. God is the exact same way. Today, okay, here's something fun too, right? Yes, well, I, I, it doesn't matter. I've given you too much fun stuff. Here's what I want you to know. As that God builds upon what he does and he completes it. So this very day, some 2,000 plus years ago, 50 days after the crucifixion of Jesus, God sends his Holy Spirit. We don't pray today for God to send his Holy Spirit. God has already done that. What we pray and ask is that we would acknowledge God's Holy Spirit and that God's Holy Spirit would fill our lives and that God's Holy Spirit would begin to lead us. We don't have to pray, God, please send your Holy Spirit. It's here. We just have to ask God to acknowledge it and to allow it to... Listen, some of you confuse, uh, you give way too much credit to your conscience and to that little voice in your head, that little red demon and that white angel. It's the Holy Spirit trying to whisper to your life to do the godly thing to do the right thing. And every time when that little voice whispers to you to change the channel, every time that little voice says, don't click that site, every time that little voice says, say you're sorry, that's not your conscience. That's not your, that is the Holy Spirit trying to get you to walk in lines with the, with, with the way of the Father. And the more you listen to that little voice, the, the louder and the more tune your hearing gets to that very thing. Does that make sense? All right. So the more you ignore it, the harder it is to hear the Holy Spirit. I think that there's not a person in this room as a follower of God that doesn't hear the Holy Spirit. You may walk around spiritually going, la, 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 I don't want to hear you, right? But I'm asking you to unplug your spiritual ears and begin to listen to the Holy Spirit's working in your life. Let's look into the scriptures for the rest of the text today. Um, now, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And I have just good, I wanted 15 minutes, so here we go. Acts chapter 2, remember, today is a national holy day in the kingdom of God. This is the day that God sent His Holy Spirit. The very Spirit of Jesus Himself is in each and every single believer. Did you know the Holy Spirit, for those of you who are confess, uh, professing Christians, you have the very same Spirit that Jesus had in Himself. The very same Spirit. It is the mark that you belong to the Father. Right? That's one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Here we go. Now, when the day of Pentecost had come, this was a day that was set. I'm just, I'm just reminding you, this is not something that's pre, I mean, like a, a Protestant, Christian, not Jewish thing. This was already set. When the day of Pentecost had come, like all the guys knew, it was 50 days after Passover, they all counted. They were all together in one place. This is one of those, of the seven holy days, this is one of three where every male Jew would go to Jerusalem and worship there specifically. Not all holy days did you have to do that, but the day of Pentecost, like Passover, 50, Passover, everybody went to the temple in Jerusalem. On the day of Pentecost, everybody went back. Why? Because it's the day God gave Torah. And so it's Pentecost, they've got a circuit on their calendars, and because of that, they were all together in one place right? And so we have all of these believers, all these Jewish people, I'm going to call them believers, all of these Jews in one place at the temple. And within the temple, you have this bunch of believers who have been following this guy, Jesus, right? So like we're going to be at uh, Old Frontier Days and at Old Frontier Days with all of these people, there's going to be a segment of New City Church. Would you make sense? But we're at the whole event, but there's this one group of New City. It's kind of like that in this context. And except this one event, 
are the first followers of Jesus. They were all together in one place, and it says, Suddenly, a sound like a violent wind blowing came from heaven and filled the entire house. Here would be my uh, thought process on the house. The word house in Hebrew is the same word that is used for temple. And so it's not that they're in somebody's living room. It's the believers are at the temple because that's what you did on the day of Pentecost. And while they were at the house, this took place, right? And this, this like a wind, violent wind, filled the entire house where they were all sitting. Now, why were they sitting? In that culture, this teacher didn't stand. The teacher sat. How nice would it would be for me to get to sit down and you guys all stand up, right? But that's how it worked in those days. And so the, you have the disciples, the first apostles, they're sitting and they're teaching other people about what this, this idea of what happened with Jesus. And they're sitting, right? And tongues spreading out like a fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the, say that with me, Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven residing in Jerusalem. There were devout Jews from all the other nations in Jerusalem. Why? Because it's one of the holy days where all of these people came back to Jerusalem. So that's why you had all of these different people groups who were, who were there. When this sound occurred, a crowd gathered, right, right frontier days, and all of a sudden this happens, and because of this commotion, all these other people begin to trickle over to this corner. You with me? Just kind of give you an idea of what might happen here. When this sound occurred, a crowd gathered and was in confusion because each one heard them speaking in his own language, Right? Hebrew, Spanish, English, we've done it all today, right? <laughs> Completely baffled, they said, these, these confused bystanders, aren't all these, uh, uh, okay, aren't all these who are speaking Edgertonians? <laughs> now, I grew up in a town of maybe 50 people, right? Very simple, light Arkansas. No stop sign, no stoplight. You guys are way bigger than we ever could have been, right, at Edgerton. And man, uh, you heard a lot of draw, like kind of South Florida. I was in Fort Lauderdale for 10 years. It kind of beat my Arkansian accent out of me a little bit. It comes out when I am being a smart aleck and being a little witty. My wife goes, there it is. I hear your dad. I hear your dad. <laughs> but it's the point that you have these Galileans who aren't typically known as being the most educated people who are amazing the wise based on things that they're saying that they shouldn't be able to say. How do you guys know how to speak my foreign tongue how did you guys know how to speak that language and how is it that each one of us hears them in our own native language and then it goes on in the scripture there in Acts chapter 2 to tell you all the different parts of the world that they had come from I didn't put that in there um, but you can read that on your own and then it gets back and it says all were astounded and greatly confused, saying to one another, what does this mean? Like, what's going on? We're, we're completely baffled. But others jeered at the speaker, saying, they are drunk on new wine. They're drinking Mad Dog 2020. They must have got their hands on some Schaefer Light, you know? Like, they went to the beer garden. They've been to the beer garden already, right? But Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed them. You men of Judea... And all who live in Jerusalem, you men from the surrounding areas, from different places, and those of you who live in the city, know this and listen carefully to what I say. In spite of what you think, these men are not drunk, for it is only nine in the morning. What Peter was alluding to just briefly is sacrifices didn't start till a certain time during the day. And after sacrifices, that's when the feast and the kind of the partying would begin. 
And he's like, guys, we haven't even done the stuff yet before the drink would happen. So, no, that's not it, right? After Peter says this, there's a space there, before we get into Acts chapter 2, verse 22, where Peter quotes from Joel. And the reason I didn't include it this morning, is, and it's a great little context, but the reason Peter quotes from Joel is because he uses a current context to speak to his listeners of that day. Like everyone there would have understood completely what Peter was saying from the book of Joel. If I read the book of Joel to you this morning or that passage, I'd have to carve out time to teach what he was saying because we don't have a context for that. Are you with me? But there are ways that's going on right now in our own life that we can begin to pull these scriptures out and make them true to us. Peter just knew his audience and he spoke something to them that would make sense in their ears. Like I'm using Frontier Days. He used the book of Joel because all of these people would have had that book memorized or had a really good understanding of it. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. After he quotes from the book of Joel, an Old Testament book, he says this, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, and here's the gospel story. Jesus the Nazarene, a man clearly attested to you by God with powerful deeds, wonders, and miraculous signs that God performed among you through him just as you yourselves know. Now, the reason I want you to just kind of pause on that, that God performed among you through him, just as you yourselves know, is just 50 days prior, all of these same people were in the city and they knew what happened. They saw some miracles that Jesus had done. Some of them might have been at his trial. Some of them might have even been at the cross. Peter is talking to men who just 50 days earlier were completely aware of what Jesus had done. They had heard about the things previous, and they had actually saw with their own eyes what had taken place. He says, this man, this Jesus, who was handed over by the, catch this, who was handed over by the, what kind of plan? Predetermined. Notice this, nobody killed Jesus. Nobody murdered Jesus. It was God's predetermined plan for our salvation that through the cross, the perfect Son of God might die so that you and I might find salvation from our sin. There's a man on the back row this morning, dear and amazing grace, my chains are gone, I've been set free. Had his hands up, I took a picture of it, right? Because you know what? Some of us have been completely set free from the life that we used to live right? That Jesus on the cross has been our salvation. He has completely redeemed us. Some of you have not understood that fully, and you're still carrying around the sins of your past. Can I tell you this morning that there is salvation through Christ and Christ alone? It doesn't matter how bad you think you are, no matter what you've done, you have been reconciled. You have been saved by the blood of the spotless, perfect lamb, Jesus. Old Testament Passover, they would make all these sacrifices. New Testament Passover, the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect lamb of God goes to the cross. He's he extends his hands and say, hey, I love you this much, and he dies. And when we receive that, when we acknowledge that, guess what? Our chains are gone. We've been set free. So if that is true in your life, why in the world are you still walking down, walking bogged down, chained down to all of these past transgressions? Man, either Jesus saved you or he didn't. He didn't halfway do anything. All right. Sorry. All right. So this man who was handed over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you executed by nailing him to a cross at the hands of the Gentiles. But God, I love that phrase. Can, some, can you just say with me, but God? but God? No, you guys don't get it. See, but God. But God. Like, I made a mess of my life. But God. Man, I don't know if I've done a great job raising my kids. But God. Man, I'm making a mess of my income. But God. Thank God, but God. 
is God and we ain't. But God. Some of you need to just lean on that. But God. Oh, Matt, I could tell you my story. But God reconciles this. I love that. Man, what a beautiful... You need to circle. Maybe tap to them to your head. Reverse, so when you look in the mirror, you can read it. I don't know. But God raised him up. You might have killed him, but God raised him up, having released him from the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held in its power. Death could not hold our mighty Jesus. All right. Why is it, church people, that we trust Jesus to rescue us from the very pits of hell, but you won't trust Jesus with your money? Why is it that we trust Jesus that He's going to get your sorry butt to heaven, but you can't trust Him with your marriage? Oh, man, I do trust Him. I do trust Him with my money. Man, I do trust Him with my marriage. I do trust Him fill in the blank. Then here's the deal. Then why don't you do what He says about those things? It makes little sense to say, Oh, God, I trust you, but I'm going to do something different. That, that's what trust means. Maybe use the word loyalty. Like, God, I am loyal to you, which means I'm also going to do what you say. Some of you, the reason that you're spiritually frustrated is not because God's out to get you. It's because you know the truth, but you refuse to do it, and you continue to lean on your own understanding and to, instead of acknowledging God. And that's why your marriage is frustrating. That's why your finances are frustrating. That's why your kids are frustrating. That's why you're frustrated, because you kind of know this spiritual truth, but you don't do it. And then you're the one that says, well, I tried that God thing. No, you don't, you don't try God. You put God on and you do what God says. Jesus said, if you love me, then do what I say. Do what I say. I love this place. I love the word. It's good. After that, going back to knowing his listeners, uh, Peter quotes from King David. Cut that out because it's not, I'd have to teach what King David said. I don't have time for that this morning. Another Bible study. Pick back up in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, after he quotes some book of Psalms. This is what we read. Therefore, therefore, right? Because of all of these things, because you have seen what Jesus did, because you heard what Jesus did, because you guys were in the room when he went to the cross and you saw him hanging on a tree, therefore, and this is what I want to say real quick, like you have to understand how you've seen Jesus work in your life. You have to have something to go back to and say, man, because I've seen God do these things, Whatever they mean, maybe he has reconciled a marriage, maybe he's reconciled a friendship, maybe he's just saved your sorry tale time and time and time again. Whatever your thing is, you put that in place, and then we say, verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know beyond a doubt that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, notice this, both Lord and Christ. Peter identifies Jesus in two ways, both Lord and Christ. Jesus is the boss, and Jesus is your Savior. He is the Lord. He gets to tell you what to do. He's not the president where you get a vote. When you sign up to be a Christ follower, you sign up to say, you are my king, I do what you say. Ask my children, who's the boss? They're going to say, mommy, daddy. Who's mommy, daddy's boss? God, right? At some point, the transition will be where God's their boss, but right now, I am he, <laughs> right? All right? <laughs> But Peter says Jesus is the boss of your life. Listen, you gotta, can you submit to the lordship of Jesus? Oh, Jesus is my buddy. Listen, Jesus is your boss. He's your Lord. He has authority over your life. And then Peter says, but he's also your Savior. He rescues you. He's the one that extends the hand and says, I will pull you out of what you're in, right? Lord and Savior. Two things there. Continuing on. Now, when they heard this, this gospel of what Jesus did, 
they were acutely distressed and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what should we do? Now, if you're here this morning and God is stirring something in your spirit, the Holy Spirit's actually doing what the Holy Spirit does and it's messing with your life right now because there are certain things that I've said about Jesus and his attributes that you haven't yet stepped into, whether it's the lordship or the understanding that you have been forgiven for your sins. If the Holy Spirit's messing with your life right now, he did this 2,000 years ago on this day of Pentecost with these believers, and notice what they said. They said, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent. That doesn't mean I'm sorry. It means to turn from. We're going to repent, and each one of you be baptized. Remember when I said earlier, God doesn't redo, he adds to Baptism is not a Christian thought. All around the temple would have been tons of pools, mitzvahs, where the Jewish person would have went before going to temple, and they would have been baptized. I had a person ask me one time, because circumcision was a big part of the Jewish culture. How did, couldn't somebody have lied and said, yeah, I was circumcised, but they really weren't. Like, how would, sorry, this is, but I'm going to explain this. Someone said, how would they actually know if a person had really been circumcised? Well, you went through the mikvah when you went to church. And you didn't go through the mikvah with your clothes on. And so I, I guess you could spot it if you had some gazers, right? <laughs> um, anyway, that's for a whole other lesson. So, but they, the, the, the temple was already set up with all of these baptisms where baptism was an already a part of their worship. But notice how God adds to it right here. Peter says, repent each one of you and be baptized in a specific name. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Put on your Jesus jersey. You know how we wear royals and we wear chiefs because that's the, the, the team we root for? Peter said, turn from this wicked life, turn from this way of thinking, and then put on your Jesus jersey and align yourself with him. Be baptized, this time in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. With many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying... In other words, Peter went on and talked for a long time. Somebody's hand got tired of rotten, so they just, Peter said a lot more stuff. All right? And this is what he said. Save yourself from this perverse generation. Guys, can I tell you something? If you don't change the direction of your life, this way of our culture and the way of this world is going to destroy your life. Now, it doesn't mean that as we turn from the culture that we hit them on the head and tell them how bad they are. What we want to do is we run this race as we hope others run as well. So think of it, you're running a marathon. Yeah, you want to finish, but you also want to help your buddy, your friend, your neighbor finish the race as well. Amen? And you, don't, you never get anybody to run with you telling them how stupid they are. Right? I'm just, I'm just telling you. Because our tactic sometimes is to tell people how stupid, how wrong they are. That never gets people to run the race. Never gets people to run the race. Save yourselves from this perverse generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized... And that day, about 3,000 people were added. How did that happen? Well, they were prepared for it. They had all of these baptisms all around the temple, and man, it just happened like that. It was super simple. And all of a sudden, 3,000 plus people are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and the church just went boom, right? Craziness. Now, what is the fruit of that? And this is how we're going to end. What is the fruit of a life that is repentant, and that has been baptized in the name of Jesus, and that has received the Holy Spirit. Look at the fruit of this. Now, I'm excited because in the month of July, we're going to start teaching from the book of Acts, and we're going to stay in Acts as long as it takes. We may be in Acts till Jesus comes back. I don't know. But we're gonna t- this is going to be a whole series, what I'm going to say, called Devoted. But th- this is what happened because they repented, 
They were baptized in the name of Jesus and they received the Holy Spirit. They acknowledged the Spirit's working. And Pete, this is, you guys want to come on up, prepare for communion. This is what happens. It says this. They were devoted. Here's what they did. This is what the, these new 3,000 believers did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That's what we're doing right here, right? And when we have like city groups and other Bible studies, that's what takes place. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Breaking of bread, you mean like, man, I need to go get Wonder Bread and break it? No, they shared meals. That's just what they called it. They ate together. They would go to people's homes, and they would have meals together, and they would uh, pray. They had, rever- rever- they had a great awe, came over everyone, and many wonders and miraculous signs came about by the apostles. All who believed were together and held everything in common. Now, here's the thing. We are all different. We have different upbringings. We have different family situations, but we have one thing in common. Do you know what our thing in common is as the people of God? Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Like, here's the truth. I would not know a person in this room if it wasn't for Jesus. I wouldn't know anybody in this room if it wasn't for Jesus. I wouldn't know Pete. I came here not knowing anybody but one family, Dan Sutherland at Westside Family Church. It's the only person me and my wife knew. But the reason that I know some of you guys now, the reason I know Richard and Nancy Hull is not because they called me up, it's because of the, the relationship that we both have in the Son of God and Jesus. That is our common bond. We can either focus on the things that divide us and separate us, or we can focus on the thing that pulls us together, that being Jesus himself. And they began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone as anyone had need. Every day they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. Why was God adding to their number every day? It's because that behavior is not how the world responds. But yet the church people, what do we do? We open our home, we share, we're generous, we're kind. We put our focus on God, not on ourselves. And when you and I, this is what I want to leave you with, and we're going to celebrate communion together. But when you and I do those very things, the world can't help but notice because it is so drastically different from every other way the people, that people act and respond. Jesus told his followers this, here's how you will be identified. You will be identified by your love. For your love for one another. When's the last time you've opened your home and had some friends over (coughs) and you shared a meal and yet you talked about (coughs) God and what God was doing in your life? Maybe some of you today, man, Matt, I I know that you're the the Jesus is the Lord and Savior, but I've never been baptized. Uh, I've I've told God lots of times that I want to change my life and I want to repent, but I've never followed through with baptism. Well, fortunately for you, there's water in the tank. What in the world are you waiting for? Jesus, or Peter says today, if you repent and then you'll be baptized, guess, what's happened? guess what happens when somebody enters into the family of God through baptism? You receive the Holy Spirit. Well, man, I want to receive the Spirit, but I really don't want to. I really like this behavior. Man, I really want to receive the Spirit, but do I have to really be baptized? I'm just saying what Peter said, and I believe Jesus even said of the Great Commission. Go, therefore, to all the nations, baptizing them. Well, can we just take that out? Let's, hop, let's just scratch it out. No, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Right? And making disciples who make disciples. Today we're going to 
enjoy and celebrate this holy day by taking communion and to remember what God has done in our life. Maybe the phrase this morning as you go up and get communion, as you walk up there, maybe you remember who you used to be, right? Maybe you remember your current situation or your past circumstances. But as your hand grabs that bread that represents the body that was broken for you, and as you dip that bread into the juice that represents the blood that establishes the new covenant, as you touch that bread, maybe your phrase is, but God. Man, I was a mess, but God. And as you take that uh, communion back to your chair, and as you're going to take that and you're going to remember what God has done for you, man, let that be the best worship you've had all morning. As you remember the great sacrifice that Jesus made, and that on this day, this very day, some 2,000 plus years ago, God sent us His Holy Spirit. And as you chew that cracker and that juice, maybe you say this, Lord, help me to acknowledge the Holy Spirit more in my life. Father, help me to listen to your leading as I go about my day as a parent, as a friend, as an employee, as an employer. And Father, may I follow you in all my ways. Amen.